Coming up on today's episode of the Real Lives Podcast with Becky Briggs. I do feel like that if if I was a male, it would have been um, treated a bit differently. In that moment, I thought that I was going to become a sponsored athlete, and that you know that was that was going to be it. Like I had made it, and that just didn't happen. I think that's why there's so much more nerves about the marathon, just because um, of the almost like the time frame that you know before and afterwards that you've dedicated to to this one kind of like you know slot of 26 miles. I knew that I'd made the Commonwealth standard, but I never imagined to run like five minutes quicker than the Commonwealth standard. But there's reasons why there was one British female finisher in the in the elite section of the London Marathon this year. No one else made it to the start line. Just before we get into today's episode, please remember to like, subscribe, share the podcast with anyone who may be interested. I really appreciate all the help that I can get. I hope you enjoy this episode with Becky Briggs. So, Becky, why marathons why why running overall um i would say why running overall is that i think it definitely gives you that sense of um freedom like nothing else and i feel like you know some people will never kind of um experience that like run as high and kind of like get into it but then you have the kind of the the people that you know either do or learn to you know really kind of get into running and love it and um yeah I think there's there's nothing that quite compares and like the people that you meet you know the feeling that it gives you being able to kind of work on like you know self-progress um yeah it's it's great what is it about why, why did you want to make it a profession because most people are obviously running hobbyists even people who do it at school and do cross country it becomes a hobby rather than competitive so what was it that made you want to take it to the next step yeah so I I would say like throughout school um and like a levels I wasn't particularly I never imagined that running could be any be anything more than just something that like I did on the side um so I originally went to University of Leeds and I was doing geography and business management and then I was picked for my first ever international race um and got an England vest and it was on that trip when I was speaking to the other girls there and the other people that were on the trip and like similar ages to me and they were all at uni doing something related to sport and related to running and I kind of thought to myself well you know if it's something that you enjoy you know why not I feel like throughout school there was all this always the pressure to kind of do something solely academic whereas actually um you know when education becomes a choice it needs to be something that you have a passion about to you know really do well in it so it was kind of then that I thought actually Becky like who's to say that you can't you know take running into um you know something further or at least sport and do something more related to it and then you know I came to St Mary's uni did sports nutrition and I never really kind of thought oh I want running to be my career but then as I kind of went through uni and then you know decided to go into running coaching I've kind of found myself that running is my entire career um almost not unintentionally because um that would have always been a massive dream but you know, I've kind of made made the dream come true. So yeah. So at twenty three years of age, you've obviously competed, at, like you've said, at the international stage. So, at what age was it that you started to realise actually this can be my this can be a profession? It can be my thing. Yeah. So probably I would say um, 
2019. So that was um, the year where I'd gone to Leeds University for three weeks. I dropped out and then was living back at home and knew that I was going to go to university the following September. So that really kind of gave me the opportunity to, you know, I wasn't kind of doing any A-levels or anything like that, not having to study. I was just um, working in a shop and living at home. And I did some races where it was like, okay, this is quite good. My first ever half marathon, I broke 75 minutes um, and was like, wow, okay, you know, this this is good. It's it's not it's not just kind of like good for my age. Like, yes, it's the under 20 British record, but it's actually like just a good time for a female. And I was like, hang on a minute, okay, maybe this is when I can, you know, really kind of um, put my focuses into it, which works really nicely with then kind of transitioning to go to St. Mary's. And, you know, St. Mary's is a uni that I chose to go to not for the academics solely for the running and the running setup and um the opportunities that living in the St Mary's area kind of creates and provides when you left the University of Leeds and you were making that decision that actually this wasn't going to be the place for me how hard was it to come to that decision because it, it is so hard especially when especially in the UK you know you're paying thousands per year in tuition fees so to come to a decision like that how long did it take you to get there and why did like obviously it was within three weeks but so why so quick to make that decision yeah I think it was one of those things where I'm definitely like an all or nothing type of person so if I want to do something I'll do it and I'll do it with you know the utmost best of my ability and you know put you know a lot of time and effort into it I won't do anything half-heartedly and it was kind of like the realization that being at Leeds it was that you know, I no longer had to do, you know, as you have to do GCSEs and have to do A-levels, that like, actually, if I was going to do three years on a course that I didn't have to do, you know, how was I going to be able to do something that was so hard, you know, degrees are hard, like do something so hard, when I didn't, you know, I didn't really have that much, that much interest in it. And it was kind of one of those things that, you know, in hindsight, you think, oh, well, you know, why didn't I think think of that soon you know when I say to people now that you know like I was doing geography and business management they're like Becky that's not you at all and I'm like yeah but I just kind of thought that you know it's a degree that's fairly open and it's at a good university and it's you know in a place with like lots of opportunities to go into any jobs um but yeah once I kind of made that decision like while I was away on that trip um I moved everything home um two days later like it was a very quick kind of like I knew that like if I wanted to steer my life in the direction that I wanted to that couldn't happen if I stayed doing that course at Leeds I tried to move to sports science there and they said no so I thought you know what like this is it, clearly not for me it's not going to work let's go let's go somewhere else so moving to St Mary's and starting a new degree how has that benefited you now as the athlete that you are yeah, so I would say, like, hugely, you know, St Mary's is not just as a university, but as a place, there's such a community of runners, and you definitely kind of, like, you eat, live, sleep, train together, like, everyone is all in the same accommodation block, you do everything together, which, you know, can be quite, like, intense when you first get there, but I think for me, because I kind of came from, like, the middle of nowhere in East Yorkshire, like, a very, very small place, that so actually coming and you know, coming from a place where at school running was kind of singled as being like, you know, the odd one out or like, oh, you know, that one that does cross country. Whereas at St. Mary's, like we were all runners. So we were all kind of like, um, you know, 
like that kind of group of people together and it was you know it was normal in our circle which was really really nice and everyone looks out for each other but then um yeah not just the setup of St Mary's in terms of you know they do have two coaches there like I'm not coached by those coaches anymore but the fact that you know you've got the track there and you've got the parks you know Bushy and Richmond Park like I just think in the UK nowhere quite compares to the area of like Teddington and the opportunities that that presents in terms of running and being able to train well. And then when I kind of think, you know, towards like my career as it is now, that's definitely come from being near London. And I think that, um, it's one of those things where you know like in the UK you know some people like love the idea of being close to London and some people hate it but definitely for me I wouldn't be living the life that I live now if I hadn't have lived near London and kind of presented myself at things like run clubs and the people that I've met through um, almost like the the circle of runners that's not necessarily elite runners but kind of like through social media and things like that that um yeah definitely being at St Mary's was like the catalyst to kind of open those doors to really kind of throw myself into um yeah taking running into being a career how did you manage to because I'm baffled by this because being you know training full-time full-time degree working friends family how on earth did you manage to balance everything at once um I would say to be honest especially through years two and three at university I didn't have I didn't have that balance but partly you know it was during Covid so in terms of you know social things that was kind of cut out like for me because you know you couldn't go out and do nice things with your friends because no one could so in a way I think that um it didn't help my mental health because I was you know it was a hard time but in terms of being able to you know get my training done well and you know do my studies you know there wasn't a lot of (laughs) fun being had like it was really really hard um but you know I got through it and I'm really proud of myself that like I stuck at it through those hard times because if I hadn't have done, then it wouldn't have paid off, you know, now. Like now I'm kind of like um, reaping the benefits of the really like hard work, hard work then. But yeah, it was a tough time. But I think it, it just kind of goes to show that, you know, whether it's in running or anything in life that you don't have to have everything everything doesn't have to be perfect for you to be able to like make it work like if you want something to work then you know you can you can go and do it you know it might it might not be fun but um yeah you know it's it's choices you've got to make so obviously you were working full-time then so was it during covid that you transitioned into the coaching business as well yeah so it was in my it was like in my last year of uni um that I kind of you know picked up the coaching so that I could nicely transition from um finishing studying to kind of like going into full-time coaching which which worked really really well and um yeah it was really grateful to be able to have already kind of like set that up for myself so that then when I did finish uni it was like okay like now I know what I'm doing I can pick this up and like go into you know having this as like my full-time job. How have you found working within because obviously run NRG isn't it's not just yourself like most coaches when they start out they work as an individual whereas you're working with is it Mike Trees who runs it and he's like you know, being an ultra athlete for, God, what, probably 30, 40 years. And then obviously his son as well. And then there's you and then there's others. So how has that benefited you as a coach 
from the from the start yeah. until this point now? I would definitely say, I mean, you know, I, I owe an awful lot to Tommy just for, you know, it shows the power of just like, you know, having the confidence to like have a conversation. You know, it was one night at Run Club that he said to me, oh, Becky, what are you doing next year when you finish uni? And at that point, I was like, oh, do you know what, Tommy? I'm not really sure. And he said, have you thought about, you know, coaching? And I thought, well, you know, I have now that you've kind of planted that seed in my head. And, and yeah, it kind of went from there. But I think that being part of a team is so so valuable in the sense of like you know we share advice and you know if, if one of us you know has a question about a client you know we can use all of our resources because collectively we have like quite a big reach but you know um for instance mike might you know know of contacts that i don't that could really help out someone that i coach and it, it's just really nice to kind of have that kind of um collective team atmosphere even though you are working for yourself because I think there is that risk that you know if you are working for yourself entirely that sometimes you don't feel like you have you know anyone to anyone to talk to whether it's even things about um you know not necessarily the coaching but you know how to kind of run the business in terms of like you know your accounts and expenses and all these types of things that really really helped me out in terms of the fact of like you know I'm, I'm 23 like you know, it's nice to have um, people there who you can, you know, kind of reach out to when you need to and, you know, they can do the same to you. So, yeah, it's been hugely beneficial and I would definitely say, um, like, the, the power of human connection is so, so important and me and Tommy had, like, a, a day where we were getting content last week and, you know, I came away from it just feeling so, so much more inspired um, about my own job just by talking to someone, you know, who's doing the same thing. So, yeah. So, let's get into what you've achieved in a very obviously short career so far so you obviously competed in the half marathon didn't you originally obviously you said you got broke 75 minutes which for those who don't know is absolutely massive like even breaking an hour and a half is like very impressive so to do that like peak performance um but why why the transition from half marathon into the full marathon Okay, so this was a little bit of um, like a situational one. So, because um, it, it was a very strange time throughout like COVID and running and not having the races. So I was at the World Half Marathon Championships in October 2020. Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah, October 2020. And it was kind of in that period where like we we're about to go back into lockdown, that like weird November lockdown and then everything was like, you know, in and out of um, like rules and restrictions. And at the World Half, it was kind of spoken amongst the team that there was going to be an Olympic marathon trial for the Tokyo like 2021 Olympics. And it was going to be a closed off marathon trial and it was going to be at Kew Gardens. And I kind of thought to myself, well, you know, if there's ever a chance to to do it, then I might as well do it now because all of my uni lectures are online. I have no social things to go to and there are no other races to train for. So I might as well use this opportunity of essentially being able to train even more like an elite athlete. You know, I was still studying and still kind of working as a nanny, but like, you know, I didn't have to like physically go into uni and things like that. I, was, I might as well make the most of this opportunity and give it a go. And then it was the classic, you know, 
I worked so hard in that first marathon block. It was so scary because it was all very new um, in terms of distances and things like that. But then on marathon day, it just, it went wrong. Um, it wasn't, look, on reflection, it wasn't a total disaster. I ran like 2.38, but I was in the shape to run, um, you know, very close to the Olympic standard. Like, you know, on reflection, I know the, the fitness that I was in and I just didn't treat the fueling aspect of the marathon with enough respect and just, you know, completely hit a wall at like 18 miles. But, you know, I got myself round to the finish, but that was, yeah, a very um, memorable day. But yeah, that's why I went to the marathon. So not necessarily, um, you know, it was, yeah, situational. It was kind of like, okay, I've got this opportunity. I might as well, give it a go and see um see where it takes me do you sit and reflect after each race look at what you did right and what went wrong and then manipulate things from there in terms of like a whole training block not just the race yeah I would definitely say so I think that um that first marathon was such a blessing in disguise for instance that like I knew that the training had worked well actually you know the training had worked but I think you know, I peaked too soon. I think I was too fit too early and then was tired by race day. I didn't respect the fueling enough. So then I could take that onto the next marathon block and be like, okay, these are the things I'm going to get right. I'm going to make sure that no matter what, I nail the fueling and that, you know, I don't peak too early. And, you know, and then that did pay off, you know, six months later, I did London marathon and I was nowhere near as fit for the race, but I ran 234 because I you know, wasn't tired on race day and I took on all of the fuel. So yeah, there's definitely um, something to take from, you know, really reflecting and breaking down, you know, what went wrong, what went right and, you know, kind of taking that forwards. I've listened to interviews that you've done where you've spoken about the Manchester Marathon and I, like usually, you know, when you speak to people and you're like, oh, how, you know, how was your prep? They'd be like, yeah, it was good. Like there's nothing, no detail. It's just like, yeah, it was all right, you know probably perfect for the race woke up race day fine whereas you were like wasn't great you, every interview just yeah. was, wasn't great so what about it was not as good as the previous preps that you'd done yeah so like the build up to Manchester Marathon so it was my final um term at uni so kind of like all those last deadlines like your dissertation everything like that which you know it isn't isn't it's a stressful time for anyone whether you know you're doing any sport or anything on on the side of uni um but then I was nannying like four days a week as well you know simply because um you know to you know, to, to live in London and to kind of like train hard. It sounds so silly, but even things like the rent is so expensive that then, you know, to buy like, you know, all, you know, the proper food you need and the supplement, you need to have enough money to do that. Um, so I was working a lot as well. And then um, setting up the coaching so I could have that smooth transition. Um, I was doing all the training on my own. Um, you know, didn't have like a training group or anything like that, you know, no training partners um, as such, like for my marathon prep. Um and yeah, it was, it was impossible. Like I would on a Friday would be like my classic marathon session in the morning, like 20 to 24 miles of work. And then I would come back and then be in like a heat chamber lab at like 35 degrees doing, you know, physiology testing for like two hours and then walk straight from that to pick up my nanny and kids from, um, from their school to then go to nannying and then come back from nannying and you know catch up on you know coaching work and um, you know maybe do a little bit of SPSS on oh you know 
assignment that I was working on and all of the time as well while trying to kind of um, build my social media presence because you know I can't get coaching clients if I don't work on that as well so it was it was really really hard and there's been you know like physically I can't even explain how much just like pain <laughs> I was in it gives you me know, anxiety like, listening to everything you were having to do in a day like yeah it, and you know and it, I don't want it to be kind of one of these like um like oh woe is me like you know it was my choice like I chose to do all of those um but it, it was really really hard but equally you know I want I want to kind of show it as that like you know a few people in the world of sport you know are on elite athlete contracts and do have a lot of help and support but equally some people don't and those people can still make it as such you know I still I went to the European Championships that summer and you know if if you'd have um said you know oh a, a girl at this age is around 229 for the marathon you you would have expected the preparation and the the support to be very different to what to what I had but I still did it you know it might have not been um easy but you know it it still did it so I think yeah it goes to show that like um you know if you put the work in and stay committed stay driven that um yeah it, it it will kind of pay off the morning of the Manchester Marathon run me through the build-up from the moment you wake up to the moment the, the sort of the gun goes off and everyone then starts running what was your whole protocol through that okay well it was a little bit of a strange one because because it had been such a stressful time into the build-up and then loads of people at uni were like getting covid and getting ill and I was like thinking oh my goodness like I've put in all this work and now you know I'm at, like marathon week and everyone's getting ill and on like the Friday, I was like, I really don't feel very well. I remember we were going for a flat viewing and I was like, I just don't feel well at all. And you know when like the classic you find yourself like in M and S getting like the like the hot ginger shots and you're like, Oh no, like, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't feel very well. Yeah. And then all of the Saturday, like like on the train up to Manchester, I was just like, I just feel I just feel ill, like I don't feel good at all. And you could like hear it in my voice and you know, I went asked my dad to go and get me some like ginger tea bags and you know, in the race meeting the day before they were on about paces and things and my coach at the time said to me, Well, you know, you've gotta go for um at least the Commonwealth standard, otherwise what are you here for? And I was like, to be honest, like, yeah, you're not you're not wrong. Like if I can't hold the pace, I can't hold the pace, but I might, you know, I need to set off at a pace to to go for it. And um yeah but but equally like in my head I was just thinking I just can't believe it like I just don't feel very well but then I woke up on the day of the race and like I felt all right so I just kind of like we kind of got up it was like very early in the morning so people were still coming back from their nights out in Manchester we got the tram up to where the start line was and yeah that was it like I don't really have any kind of you know special race preparation apart from you know like eating some like force feeding yourself some like dry bagels in the morning and then um you know doing five minutes of jogging kind of before the start of the marathon but you know I think it's always been that um because especially in the marathon because I am like quite young I always feel a little bit like like what am I doing here in that kind of imposter syndrome yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so it's always just kind of a little bit like oh you know like I feel um 
yeah everyone else is quite a bit older than me like yeah everyone else looks like they know what they're doing I'm just gonna kind of like oh, you know do my own thing and then you know hope for the best but um yeah there's no kind of like um special kind of race morning build-up as such it's just kind of doing the things that you know you do before any hard training session and just kind of replicating replicating that do you get like nervous before the race <laughs> yeah yeah massively especially I think you know get nervous before other distance races you know like 5k 10k but it's the fact that you know you know that like if you don't perform well in that then there's going to be another race where you know you can do another one in you know a few weeks time a month's time a couple of months time whereas with the marathon there's realistically you can't do more than two a year and two a year's a push anyway and you know that you've dedicated pretty much like three months at least of your life to this one day and then even if the race goes you know wrong or whatever wrong might mean but like it doesn't go well then your body takes so much time to recover after it that you can't just then put it behind you and spring back into something else because you just can't do that because you you are you're a bit broken afterwards and I think that that's what creates the nerves because um you know yourself how much you put you know put into something and um you know you can only control the controllables but sometimes you wake up and you just feel rubbish on a day and if that's marathon day then you know this it's not great but um yeah I think that's why there's so much more nerves about the marathon just because um of the almost like the time frame that you know before and afterwards that you've dedicated to to this one kind of like you know slot of 26 miles what do you do then to sort of curb the anxiety and make sure that you know you don't go out too quick just because of the nerves or you know you don't because when like when I used to play football I used to get nervous or after before every game and I used to sort of I had to sit sit there on my own in like my own little headspace because I just if people started talking that's when I'd start getting anxious so what would you do to sort of curb it all yeah I would say to be honest like you know in the kind of like the morning of the race or like the day before I do kind of not keep myself to myself but I would say in general I'm quite like a, a chatty like you know like you know like quite a bubbly person but like just before a race like I will kind of become a bit more closed off just kind of like not really say much you know not really in my head to be honest I'm probably not even really thinking much I'm just trying to kind of like just just kind of be a bit like almost like a blank slate so that I'm just like yeah like you physically you can't change anything that you've already done now so you know all you've got to do is just kind of keep your mind focused when when the race begins I was obviously there at the marathon that day because Abby my girlfriend was running it but so I saw the leading pack run past and like the the atmosphere was incredible but during that last sort of let's say 200 metres, that, that final straight of the Manchester Marathon, because obviously you t take that left and you can see the finish down the very end. So what was going through your head at that point? Was it just pure elation? Yeah, it was like looking back, it's, it's such a, it's such a strange memory, but um, I had my watch on the setting where I couldn't see the total time. So um all I knew was that I'd been ticking off the kilometres one by one at a good pace, but I hadn't kind of clocked how good that time would be. Like I knew that I'd made the Commonwealth standard, but I never imagined to run like five minutes quicker than the Commonwealth standard. And when I saw it, it was just that kind of like, just that, like you have actually done it, you know, like, you know, you've all this hard work like has, 
yeah like has paid off in terms of the time but then looking back it's a really difficult one because in that moment I was the I felt like I was the happiest I could ever possibly be and like I'd I'd made it but then what is making it you know making it in the sense of like in that moment I thought I was going to become a sponsored athlete and you know that was that was going to be it like I had made it and that just didn't happen like yes I went to the European Championships but you know I came away from that with two stress fractures and you know no contract and um you know not a great setup and you know with the support of my friends and you know changing coaches and you know I'm in a really good place now back rebuilding but you know the the sport is it's not a linear one and I think that's you know important to say for anyone at any level of the sport is that like sometimes you know the highest moments will then be followed by you know the lowest moments so appreciate it in that moment and don't forget it but equally like it's not the be all and end all like you've got to enjoy you know the little things in between just like going for a a run on a sunny day and you know you know laughing with your friends you know about about something that's you know happened in training because um race results aren't actually everything um yeah you've got to enjoy enjoy the whole process yeah because it's interesting as well that you know you were doing the kilometer by kilometer during the race because obviously you're kind of hiding yourself from whether you can because you can get in your own head with a lot of things like yeah I've done it on runs like runs that mean absolutely nothing where I'm getting in my head about a pace that doesn't matter but for you to yeah. you know if you were seeing like um say I've run 20 miles in x time oh shit I'm not gonna make the commonwealth cut off you'd probably it just like damage your performance essentially so yeah what, at what point did you start doing that like, because I could imagine you've probably been through that at some point. Yeah, I think that um, to be in like the training blocks, quite often I would have my watch on that setting just simply because some of the marathon sessions are so long um, and so hard that, for instance, if you're doing, I don't know, six by three K at marathon pace off one K float, there could be a really dodgy block of marathon pace in there where you don't hit it. But you know if you're running just the kilometer that you're in then you can try and make that kilometer a good one and if it's not a good one then you move on to the next one rather than kind of like letting um that kind of really impact the whole session um and I think that you know it's a good thing to kind of take you know for lots of people whether you're racing you know a park run or a 10k or you know half marathon marathon that you know you can't change what you've already done but you can change what you're going to do type of thing. So yeah, if you think about, um, you know, think about it too much and kind of deep it too much, then you're going to, you know, as soon as your body gets tense and like, you're probably not going to run faster, even if you think that looking at your watch is going to make you run faster, that's probably not going to happen. So yeah, I definitely think it's a useful, useful way of doing it. The, you mentioned there, you thought you'd come out of the marathon as a sponsored athlete as well. And I spoke to, a woman who now holds a record for the most marathons consecutively, which was 150 in 150 days. And we had a bit of a conversation about the difference in male and female sponsorship within, especially like, cause she was doing obviously these sort of mega endurance, um, sort of challenge, one of these mega endurance challenges. So even at the professional athlete level, like where you're at, do you still think there's a difference in terms of male and female sponsorship now? 
I do, you know, yeah, because I think that when, even when I speak to, you know, like other people, like it's just in conversation, that I know that if what I have already achieved was a male that had gone to the European Championships that, you know, was 22 when I went, you know, it was in the marathon, it would just be totally unheard of and would be like, wow. But I don't know whether... And is it just because, like, I'm, I am that person that I don't feel like people are like, wow. But like, it's not. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, I do feel like that if if I was a male, it would have been um, treated a bit differently. You know, I've even had men say to me, you know, like, well, you know, it's not the equivalent, or like, that's, you know, it's not the equivalent time. And I'm like, well, why is that the female standard then? Because you know, if 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 it's equivalent why aren't you you know on that team and going because you know and I think that there is definitely some of that that like um of course males are going to run faster especially in something like the marathon where if it's a mixed race you know the females are going to be so far back but yeah it's hard because I don't feel like it's a pre it, well I don't think it'll ever be quite as appreciated you know as much um as if you're a male but um hey ho you know <laughs> yeah it's one of them because obviously i've i stu- now study um tra- so sort of transgender participation in sport that and i've just yeah. done a review where we obviously looked at sex differences and i don't for me i can't understand why people don't appreciate that there are differences and that like actually you know you running a 229 is as impressive as a male running say 220 because yeah we we have different capacities for performance and that's not a problem like if we just look at it so linearly like oh the best time is the absolute best and anything work like less than that is worse like it's just it's just baffling to me because you know everyone deserves an opportunity in that it shouldn't just be men it should be mm. it should be women as well and it's just it's so it's so infuriating because having now researched it and looked into it more i've seen the differences i've spoken to people where the, it's affected them and you can see it's just the the kind of like the wits end of like what what do you want me to do to be able to get yeah. that extra step yeah yeah no definitely absolutely I think it is um yeah you're totally right and you know when you look at like rankings and things like that and it's like okay well you know if you look down the list of male rankings and it's like sponsor 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 sponsored and then you look at the equivalent female and it's like oh okay like they aren't and I don't know whether I think it's you know very 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 prevalent in the marathon and especially British female marathon running is that you can't guarantee years and years and years and years of consecutively top-notch performances and race results because it's really hard to it's hard to maintain that for anybody but I think especially when you you know look at the female body and um you know maintaining you know health without injury you know there's reasons why there was um there's reasons why there was one British female finisher in the in the elite section of the London Marathon this year no one else made it to the start line you know like and I think that that speaks an awful lot of volume and I think that um yeah well I I know that you know for instance you know British athletics will be there to to take you to the competitions when you're doing well but when when you're injured there's there isn't the support and I think that that's I think that's really sad but um it's 
the truth and I think that um yeah you know like I say there's reasons why that um British female marathon runners can't can't perform you know year after year and um maybe that's why there isn't the sponsorships because it's almost seen as a risk because there's no guarantee um that they're going to churn out fantastic race results race after race but um yeah um I am aware of time so I'll ask you two more questions um one I wanted to ask you was obviously you've seen now that companies don't sponsor based on such incredible achievements so does it make you appreciate the sponsors that you do have like pure sport who are obviously behind you and sort of helping you along the way yeah absolutely especially a company like pure sport where i've watched them grow from um almost like you know the beginning of their journey and they've kind of supported me as I've grown as not just an athlete, but like as, you know, someone who creates content and has an impact on the running world. That's not necessarily performances. And I think that, um, that's kind of the, the area of running that's really nice is that, you know, it's showing now that, um, people are appreciated who are making a difference in the sport. That's not necessarily from just good times. It could be from, you know, just, you know, putting out helpful information, you know, kind of helping people along the way, making them feel supported, you know, representing, you know, a group of people who maybe aren't, you know, seen as, you know, the norm in running, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that, um, yeah, those sponsors and the people that see you as a person and not just a performance on paper are the companies that, they're the companies that I want to work with because, um, you know, I'm not just a 229 marathon runner. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more than that. Um, you know, it's something that I've done, but it's not, it's not who I am. And I think that, yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. And then the final question um, is how would you like to be remembered? Oh, that's a really difficult one. I think, I think, I think as I've just kind of said in the sense of like, I want to be remembered as someone who was a really good runner, but wasn't just a really good runner. I want to be remembered for the impact that I've had and that, you know, showing that, you know, you can, um, you can decide to kind of take your life in any direction that you want and really go for it. And I think that I, I want to kind of be remembered as, you know, someone who, who did that and um, did some great things along the way and had a positive impact on people. And yeah, I, I think that, yeah, that's a hard one. But um, yeah, I always end with that yeah. one and people are always stumped by it. It just throws them off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, where can people find you? Where can people support you? See what you're up to? Yeah, so mainly um, on Instagram, it is Becky underscore Briggs underscore NRG. Um, yeah, so I post on there um, pretty much, well, pretty much every day. Um, so yeah, lots of running tips, advice, and just kind of, um, I try and take people through like my life as that's not just a runner, because there are other things that, you know, I do as well. And I think it's important to show that. And yeah, it's it's a really nice space that I've kind of created on there. Thank you to Becky for coming on the podcast. Uh, really interesting insight in terms of not just what training's like and all these surface level questions, but also what it's like to try and get sponsored as an elite athlete. You know, the the comments she made about the fact that when she crossed the finish line, she thought she'd be a sponsored athlete and it just wasn't the case was really interesting. And, you know, obviously it's a tough journey in a sport like that and she's 
doing absolutely incredibly. So go and follow her. You can find all the links in the description below. Um, and yeah, I'll see you next Monday for another episode of the Real Lives podcast at 6 a.m. Uh, UK time and 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time.